Thanks as always for listening to this episode of Fluff and Crunch. And today, Chris and I talk about the story setting and system that's unique to Mutant Chronicles. I think this is maybe one of the mainstream 2D20 games that gets the least love and attention. And so we spent some time reviewing our books, looking at what makes the setting uh, unique and special, like its, its bright lights and, and high points. And then we talked about some of the, the peculiarities and uniqueness of how the 2D20 system is implemented for this setting. We also comment on some things that maybe you could port out of it into other settings or maybe a homebrew supported by the SRD. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Well, good morning. Yep. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay. Funny time. And I, you haven't done any gaming since last we talked, have you? It's a, what, three days ago. It's been three days. So no. Um, <laughs> no. I, I have not either. I've thought about it, uh, and I've read a not a huge amount, but a decent chunk of the Mutant Chronicles book um, to refamiliarize myself with the things we want to talk about today, but. Well, that makes it an easy thing to dispense with. We don't we don't have any gaming to talk about, so we can just jump right into giant shoulder pads and uh, monsters. Yeah, what is it with the giant shoulder pads? I don't know. They are... I don't know, actually. It does have a very distinctive art yes. style. I kind of feel like one of the things about this game is that the art style is possibly the best thing about it. Like, visually. Like the character yeah. designs and stuff like that. It's like, oh, it's so cool. I want to I want to play one of them. Like that's almost how, you know, like when you pick the, uh, when you pick your careers, it's almost like how you want to do it. Oh, I want the really cool career guy with like the big sword and the cool shoulder pads because he looks really yeah. cool. Well, let's jump right into this. We're going to talk about Mutant Chronicles specifically or mostly Mutant Chronicles 3rd edition, which thus far seems like the final edition or at least to date the final edition of Mutant Chronicles uh, from Modiphius. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first, this is the first version of 2D20, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, just for kicks, I'm going to read a, a, the one paragraph that really seeks to uh, summarize the setting. I'm going to just read it directly off the back of the book. So those of you who are not familiar with Mutant Chronicles, at least this version of it, we're all on the same page as we start this episode. It says, Mutant Chronicles takes you on a full-throttle diesel punk ride through a solar system beset by corporate intrigue and the invasion of the Dark Legion. With technology failing due to the insidious effects of the Dark Symmetry, mankind must fight back against the Dark Legion hordes whilst dealing with infighting and conspiracy. So as if infighting, corporate intrigue, and conspiracy, humans backstabbing humans, as if that's not enough, there's also these like quasi-interdimensional demonic hordes that have short, exactly, that have short-circuited uh, digital technology and are invading the solar system now i remember i didn't i i suppose it was probably the first edition but i remember becoming um aware of this game making a few characters for it back in like 97 when it was held by somebody else as a matter of fact the, the picture that's on the left side that has that uh the dude running forward with the sword in his left hand 
it was that was on one of the covers. And I always marveled at how oddly disproportionate or misproportioned the characters were. Their heads were always so big and their arms seemed relatively stubby. But anyway, um, but I think I made a couple of characters for it. Someone else had the books. I think we might have attempted to play it once or twice. I think if I remember correctly from 25 years ago, we ran into the same, some of the same problems that you and I have discussed with this as a setting, but we'll come back to that. Um, let's talk about the setting. What makes, what makes Mutant Chronicles Mutant Chronicles and what makes it unique as a setting? What, what jumps at you? Um, uh, it, it's unique because it's diesel punk. Yes. I was, when you started reading it, I was like, I wonder how long you're going to get before you say the word diesel punk. And it was in the first line. Um, it's the ninth, ninth and tenth words. It's the only diesel punk setting, and that might be because they never really explain what diesel punk is, ever at all. Well, okay, I did find, I, and I, I agree with you. And right before we we started recording, we were talking about how striking the art is, and I agree completely. It's such a uh, we'll, we'll come back to that, but the art throughout all of these books, everything that I've seen from Modiphius and from the previous versions, the art is very it's very striking. It's, it's, it consists of these funky combinations of high tech and this weird, like late industrial age, world war one yeah. kind of vibe. Like we've got gargoyles and Gothic cathedrals and quasi art deco styling with demons. It's just such a, a strange, but oddly, and maybe it's because I've seen so much of it over the years. Maybe it seems like oddly coherent at this point, like seeing a guy with a giant like assault rifle with a massive like battle axe on the front of it charging across a battlefield with an old style like British Tommy hat or helmet <laughs> going up against demonic hordes. Like I'm like, OK, yeah, that, that makes sense. Maybe because I've just been exposed to it so much through this art. But that's very I striking. Think, yeah, most most of the good art in the books is from the old like i don't really remember that I, I remember seeing pictures of it like in adverts but i never played it i wasn't aware of the set i knew nothing about it, but i'd seen art and so when and i didn't i missed the kickstarter i think what i did is i missed the kickstarter but then i might have like late backed it and got some bits and pieces but i certainly got the book and i bought some of the other like the corporation books uh i mean it's a weird setting to explain i mean essentially the idea is it's like it's in the far future and humans have colonized like the near planets so like mars and venus and stuff yeah. like that uh and then they accidentally release like the dark legion or the dark symmetry which for our purposes is the same thing um and it starts corrupt as well as like it's kind of like an undead demony things so you have like you know these people that are like legionnaires which are basically they're like zombies with guns and then you have these about bigger things which are mostly like demons and it's easy to explain like that yeah. um but supposedly they corrupt technology so then they they do any any kind of really advanced so basically computers they get rid of computers um what we never get an explanation of is what replaces that because like if you imagine now if if, if we had to get rid of all our microchips and all our computers well, even our cars wouldn't work. Right. Like nothing would work. Yeah. So I never really got a grasp on what, what replaces well, that. But that's the idea. It's like you're in a thing. So it's, it's sort of semi in the future, but the level of technology is actually behind where we are now, except you have bigger guns and you have spaceships. But everything's just like, everything's still running on fuel, I guess. Something that I, I realized, um, it came to me last night, actually, when I was reading more of this stuff, <clears throat> is that... 
I think you have to do two things in order to get this setting. And I'm not saying this is portable to other settings, or but, but I mean, for, the, for Mutant Chronicles, I think you have to do two things. First off, you have to read a lot. Mm. Because it's not the kind of setting where you can say, well, it's like this, but with this. Like Octum Cthulhu is, it's World War II with occult and mythos. And you go, okay, I can deal with that. You know, um, you know, Conan, Infinity, Star, I mean, Star Trek. There, there are lots of settings in, you know, 2D20 and other games where you can say, well, it's like this, but with these changes. Yeah. Yeah, sure. You could say, well, it's this far future, but the technology is really different. But that's not really helpful. That's not detailed yeah. enough. So I think, one, you have to read a lot. You've got to read a lot of this brick of a book to get your head around the background. The other thing that I found myself, like when I, when I recognized this, at least this worked for me, is I stopped trying to reflexively in my mind think, well, it's like this, but that. So one, you have to read a bunch <laughs> and you have to just set aside any kind of attempt at comparison. You just have to accept it for what it is because you, you're right. that so, so the idea is like the inner planets are, are, uh, are colonized. And, and as a matter of fact, because of terraforming, and the technology is not... It's not explained. Like they don't attempt to make sense of it. Like to the degree that Infinity seeks to make sense of how the yeah. technology does things, it just says like Venus has been terraformed, and there and and there's a there's a a, a vague reference to grav plating on the moon. I'm like, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. And so you just can't think too hard. You just have to accept. Yeah. You know there, and so then they they explorers find some artifact on Pluto and in so finding and monkeying around with it, they end up releasing these demonic hordes. And then it says over a period of months, it, the, the influence, and it doesn't explain how it just, you just accept it. The influence goes in and, and destroys AI and like digital computers. And so the outposts from like Jupiter outward are all destroyed because those ones are, super technologically dependent it's not like the jungles of venus where they've terraformed it and so people can grow food and they can breathe yeah. the air um so you just you just accept it so there the the idea of diesel punk is that they've got digital technology is gone and they've gone back to older technology and then what we what you have to do is you have to accept that somehow older technology has been retrofitted to enable star travel or space travel yeah. you, you and you just accept it don't don't try to peel the pages apart and find a rationale you just go okay and then move forward um and then one of the other big key things in the setting is this idea of sort of that like it's, it's a faction based so i think that's i don't know there was a card game and there was a miniatures game when it was first out. I don't know which order it came in, but it's one of those kind of things. Oh, yeah, this links to a miniatures game or a card game because they want very clear factions. The funny thing is the factions are meant to be corporations, but the, each of the corporations is so closely tied to a country. Right. You know, it's a bit silly. So we have capital, which is basically America. So everything's red, white and blue. Everything's freedom and flags and, you know, stars and stripes and stuff. Um, and then you have imperial, which is 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 the British. Because they literally, like you said, that you have the, uh, you know, you have the Union Jack, and you have like you know these Scottish berserker people and stuff. So it's just very, it's just the Empire. You have Mishima, which is just Japan. The, again, the thing is a big M, and then there's a rise in something. Yeah, so yeah, they have it's, samurai. It's, and it's not Japan, ninjas Japan. and stuff. Um, 
and then you have Bauhaus, which they only get a cog, but it is it's basically Germany. It's like industrial Germany. Industrial you know? ordered, precise, yeah, uptight. Um, you know, with the same kind of World War One era metal hats with a pointy yeah, yeah. on the top. Um, and that's a bit weird because it's like, well, what happened to the rest of the world? Yeah. <laughs> like, why, why do we have these four? Now, there are other two other big ones. One is Cybertronic, but that's like a new one that is not related to any kind of thing. Their thing is actually they've decided to start messing around with cybernetics and digital thing, even though they're not meant to. And they're basically using technology, um, which always feels like if you wanted to like really cheat the game, playing Cybertronic would feel like cheating because like everybody else is like just basic stuff and they've got like computers and cyberware and stuff um and then whenever the other ones puts as a faction but it's not a corporation is white star which is like the earth has recovered a bit after like i know i feel like the, the earth got nuked or something bad happened and then white star is basically like it's just russia right it's like that's who's left like the russians are left on earth and there are and then there's other groups you have a thing called the brotherhood of light or what they sound like they're the people that directly oppose the dark legion um and then there's some other groups, but those are kind of like the key ones. And so kind of a lot of the stuff there is like, all right, so you've got these, these corporations that are sort of fighting with each other. And at the same time, everybody's fighting against the Dark Legion. Um, and that's kind agree, of the setup yeah. for the, yeah, that's the, like the setup things. Yes, there is corporate espionage and corporate infighting, but then you've also got this big threat of the Dark Legion. Um, again, kind of depending on the time period. One of the things that confused me about the setting and if, particularly if you look at the adventures, is it kind of gives you the initial when the dark symmetry first appears, yes. and then they thought they'd defeated it, but still had all these rules, and then it comes back again. And the setting kind of implies you should be playing in the, the second Dark Legion thing when they're coming back again. But the, the two big adventures they released starts off in the old time period, and then it's like you're meant to play that, and then you're meant to jump through and play the second one. You, but you're gonna have to play with different characters, and so I, I always found that confusing. Like, do I, do I have to start well, with that first one? I just never played it. it, it here, the hard thing is that it, it set the the setting or the story rather takes place at three distinct points in the history of this future Earth, and it's over by best I can tell, like a twelve or thirteen hundred year period of time. Yeah. Um, the the first, I, I guess the like some of the action starts off in like the the twenty sixth century, like the twenty five hundreds, and then a new dating system starts. They start counting the years differently, and it goes all the way up to like thirteen hundred in this new this new system. So actually, that's even more than that. I mean, it, it's just a it's a huge huge swath of of time, and you have like you said that initial the return and then there's the last one and i think there's there's pretty much the least about that last setting and so it's it's hard because yeah as you're going through the book and i i found that too i had to keep reminding myself like wait when did this happen yeah you know the um the timeline is is quite extensive at the beginning of the book and then and then in a way it's it's complicated by the timeline is presented over several pages and and then and that's for players and gm GM and the uh, then there are specific points within that call it the public timeline that indicate there's a GM secret here and then you go to the end of the timeline you turn the page and there's a couple of pages about two pages or so of all those GM secrets that are supposed to let you know hey this is also this other thing or here's the real thing that was going on at that point 
in the history. And the, the trouble I had with that when I realized like this is going to take a read, taking notes and a reread if I really want to get my head around what they're saying this story and setting is because I just didn't understand. Uh, there were so many references early on and and of to things that I didn't understand and then parentheticals that says, oh, check, check chapter 10 or chapter 20 or whatever. Go read this other thing in the book. So there's, um, I, it, it's almost, I th- and I don't say this is a good or a bad. I think this is just the nature of it because it's such a, a unique setting and a unique history. It's almost like you want, you just forget about the rules, forget about the game, read the background stuff and skip around in the book and read the background and take notes on it and get your head around the background and then read how to play the game. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty extensive setting because like all of the, all of the corporations got their own like little book as well. Yep. And then there's other books. So you got books on like the dark symmetry and the brotherhood got a book and the cartel gets a book and there's a whole book, just mutants and heretics. Um, the confusing thing then is like, if I just want to know which planet, which book do I look at? Right. And then that's not super clear. I mean, that's the same with infinity. You have to like work out which, which faction runs that planet and then find the, find that thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to the setting. Um, I don't know how much I want to go into the things with the setting because we said we'd keep our opinions and thoughts till later. Yeah. So I think we'll just leave it there. But that kind of yeah, we've we've given you a taste of the setting. Yeah. It's it, it's very big. There's a lot to it, but it is kind of a it's a bit of a kitchen sink one. It's like yeah, it is. It is. I'm like literally looking at a picture here where I've got like a cyborg archaeologist. A look, guy looks like a samurai, but he's got a massive assault rifle, and a guy who basically looks like a ninja. Yeah, but he's got giant shoulder pads. Obviously, it's uh, if you're familiar with the the Infinity line of products and the Conan and or the Conan line of products, the approach is I think very similar, in that yeah. you have you have enough of the big picture in the core book. But then all the different factions and all the different themes and stuff like that all get their own books and how those things are blocked out. You know, maybe, maybe that's helpful. Maybe that's that's not, uh, you know, like you said, you, you, there isn't a, a Venus or a Mars book. Not that I know of. Um, I can look in the back and see. No, doesn't appear to be. No, no there isn't. I, I do think again I, before we you know we move forward uh, outside of just talking about like what in the heck is diesel punk and, and this setting, um, your your point of calling this something of a kitchen sink I think that's probably a good way to describe it because again it takes it, it takes a whole lot of different things that in conventional fiction today sit in separate silos. Yeah. You know, like the vast majority of science fiction does not allow for the supernatural. You know, like in Star Trek, if there's a quote unquote ghost, it's always explained away as like a, you know, a plasma entity or something like that at the end. Like you don't have real live undead zombies in Star Wars. That confuses people. Um, And so one of the things about this setting to keep in the back of your mind is that it, it tramples all over those walls. Um, and those walls, I think, are convenient, but I mean, it's all made up anyway. So if you want cyborg archaeologists with giants, you know, automatic chain gun assault rifles <laughs> fighting demons in a corporate boardroom, like who's to say that's wrong? Yeah. So if we move on to the 
Yeah, a couple of high points. Key, key rules difference. Depends on what we're taking. I think the idea is that our, our, our base point for 2D20 would be sort of the base of what they show us in the SRD and the um, and Act and Cthulhu. We've said Act and Cthulhu is the middle yep, point. I agree. Not only is it the newest, well, it's not the newest anymore, but it's basically the newest. Um, this this differs lots in many ways. Uh, I think the, the, the main one to me would be the character creation and uh and the, the dice those are the two yeah. well combat in total but mostly the, the the dice the biggest difference and the reason character creation is quite or not so much character creation but the character things this has the most stats so you actually have eight attributes yes. so this is more than even infinity and conan have you have strength physique agility awareness coordination intelligence mental strength and personality so that that's a so after that they then put well, they kind of tweaked these because they didn't have like that many. So they put some of these together and you only had seven. And then now in most of the things, you only have sort of six. I think six is what they say is kind so of they've settled on the, pretty much. the main one. Yeah. Um, and this was a game just like Infinity and uh, Infinity and Conan and copied this where you have a whole bunch of skills. Your skills are linked to your attributes and you have an expertise rating that goes from one to five, and that you basically add to your attribute. No, that's, so you have no attribute, it's actually not one to five. It's one to three. Is it not? You oh, choose right. no. This is and I I made that mistake too. You you can choose a certain number of what are, what you what are called signature skills, which are the things that make you extra special. Those can go up to five. All other skills oh, okay. can only go up to three. Um, and so expertise is it, it just adds to your attribute essentially. So if you have an attribute of ten and you have a expertise of three, then you would roll thirteen. Yeah. And then your focus, as opposed to being like a specialization, focus here is the number where if you roll equal to or lower than your focus, then you double. So in these initial systems, ones were not automatic counting twice. You only counted twice if you had focus. So you focus one, two, three, meant if you rolled that number or lower, yeah. you counted that score as double. Um, and that's what we had for the first three. It wasn't until we saw John Carter and Star Trek that, that that then changed. So that's a massive yeah, difference. Yeah, it is. And, and something um, too, the, uh, and I, I double check this, that signature skill, if you have, your signature skill can go up to five or skills, uh, and the focuses for those can also go up to five. All your other ones top out at, at three. Um, so the part of the reason I said character creation is, well, you know, that's part of how the character's made, but this has a much more detailed character creation than you will see in the other yeah. things. And again, it's like Infinity and Conan where you have, so, I mean, if I go through the steps of this, we have ooh, gone too far. Um, so we have this life path character and they kind of give you two ways. They say like, you can go roll on it and then spend these points to change it, or you can just spend points to choose what you want. I think it's a bit complicated. I never understood why they needed to do that. I mean, it worked when you did it, you just did the options and just took what happened, but you start off with like, which faction were you born with? And then kind of what's your, what's your social, I shall skip to one. Decision two is that, uh, oh, you start with your base attributes. What faction are you with? Your, your sort of status growing up, what kind of planet you grow up in, what's your environment? This is very similar to infinity. Then you go through an education step, and all of this is giving you like different changes to your attributes and extra, like your focuses, your expertise, and so on, uh, and possibly some talents. And then you start having these cool tables, and this is why I really like this. You get like an adolescent event tables. You roll something, and it gives you some cool thing that happened in your history. Um, and then you move on to your careers. Now, one of the things you had to hit careers, you didn't just do one career. So you do like, you do your first career and then you'd roll for a second career. And depending on what your first career was, that would affect your second career. And then you could try and do a role to get into what's called the iconic career. So these are these cool, like where you see the cool pictures of the samurai and the ninja dudes and the, 
like the the hussars from white star and stuff and all of these you'd have to like you'd have to do a role to see if you get into that and if you don't you go into like a not as good career but you could choose how many careers you do and the first one to give you loads of bonuses and the other ones will give you a few but then if you take too many careers your character's too old and you get penalties Age. and stuff so it's a much more in-depth things but again you have a career event table we'd roll and have like these cool things where like in infinity you can die but this isn't infinity but it's you know you have these things like oh you were you were hurt in an accident or you've betrayed someone and so this guy doesn't like you yeah. and so you generate this cool backstory as you're doing it which is which you know a lot of people like making their own backstory but the cool thing here is like well at least you're not having to you know if you've got players that can't think of a cool backstory it gave it for you so i i really liked that it was kind of complicated and it it meant you couldn't always have the career you wanted if like you fluffed your role you didn't get to have the really cool career you wanted but in general i, I like the way that that's how it like helped you build a career yeah it's um, it, it, if cool. you've played conan it's in a lot of ways similar to that where there you have you have a lot of steps to the life path and you potentially have several, you, you have different options and you have some random elements at most of those steps. Whereas like with Star Trek Adventures, you don't start with really like really random elements until you get into the later part of the, the career, your, your life path. I thought, um, I, I, it's, it's funny actually looking through it, it reminded me a ton of Traveler. <laughs> Traveler, and I know you, you you haven't played that, but but the the Traveler uh, character building system is um, is based in these four year career terms, and you roll to get into them, and then you get an initial package, and then if you stay in that career, you don't get as much in each successive term in that career, but you can unlock different kinds of skills and advanced training and junk like that, or you can bounce around between different careers. And in Traveler, every single career is four years. Every term is four years. And there's a point at which your character starts to suffer from aging. Uh, your knees start to creak and all those kinds of things. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Stupid Traveler in that reality. Um, in Mutant Chronicles, each career is, what was it, die six plus one years? I think it was what it was. It's die six plus something years. And uh, and then, like you said, you you can roll to try to get into the iconic careers and it, it that's 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 like straight from traveler you know the idea that there's a there's a random element and that uh those roles by the way the role to get into the iconic career is shaped in part by the types of stats and skills and other things like there are prerequisites and skills you can't just be a samurai because you want to be you have to have built your character or had your character through random rolling get you to that point where you where it's possible you can step through that door and the last thing that they provide though that goes with this is that you have a certain number of what are called life points yeah that it, you can spend to override if you want to run, if you want to create your character rules as written, you you roll in a bunch of places. So there's a there's a, a persistent random element to character creation, but you have a fixed number of life points that you can say, I'm going to spend a life point instead of rolling at each of those those stages. I, I found it to be an interesting, a rich, detailed, gotta read it and get your head around it kind yeah. of character creation system. But it's uh it's got a lot of I think it's got a lot of neat ideas in it. Um, the next big main difference to we'll find in the game is is how talents work. So talents in the modern 2D20 things are like there's a big bunch of talents you just pick. They let you do stuff. Talents in in Mutant Chronicles are on talent trees and they are all based on your uh on your skills. So like I'm looking at like there's a 
psychotherapy talent tree and there's a ranged weapon talent tree. And they're what they sound like. You have to buy the top talent and then that lets you buy some other talents and then you buy more advanced versions of the talents and some talents can be purchased more than once. Um, which means you can make your character like more specialized by having like cool talents for that particular skill. Um, which again, you know, that's, that's just one way of doing it. They've, you know, that's, I think that's mentioned in the SID. I, I like, I like the idea of talent trees. I don't like sort of floating talents. I like them having a bit more focus to them. And then when you get onto the, we'll talk about in the subsystems, when you get onto the, like the sort of the magic type stuff, again, those are sort of purchased through a talent tree system as well. Yeah. So I, 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 I talent trees, I think cool. It's a pain when obviously the downside is you want to build a character. You have to like work out how you're doing it. But you know, I think that if, if you are familiar with infinity or you're familiar with Conan, this would not be, yeah, this would not be hard at all. Like, I mean, I can see where, and this is fascinating from a game design uh, perspective. Like I can see where this version of 2d 20, which as far as we know is the first public version of the system, this version evolves to infinity and Conan, which sit next to each other, which then evolves further. Like I I can see where they've smoothed the edges and improved it, but yeah, the idea of having to build and maybe map out your character, anyone who's played any version of D and D or Pathfinder since third edition, that's yeah. There's nothing unusual about that. Um, so that's kind of the main stuff. The the next then where we have big changes is in sort of combat and damage and that kind of yeah. thing. A lot of it's sure. the same. We, st- we still have momentum. Okay, momentum works on a one-to-one, not a one-two-three scaling thing. But For buying um, extra dice. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the two of the things that are very, very different. One is we have hit locations. Now, some of the other games have hit locations. Fallout is a modern 2D21. That has hit locations for your yeah. armor. Uh, and both... Conan, I, th- I think Conan and Infinity have hit locations again, but just for your armor and and location by you know location based armor as well. That's yeah. important, Conan. But all of them just have one health pool or multiple health pools for the different thing. Mutant Chronicles actually has different health at your different health hit locations. So not only yeah. are you rolling for the hit location for your for your soak values for the armor at that location, you also have separate damage pools yeah. at each place. Um, which that's clearly, like Cyberpunk 2020. Yeah, so clearly that's one thing they just went no, and that they got rid of that by Infinity. You still had hit locations and hit location dice, but they'd got they got rid of that. You didn't have that anymore, right. which is like fair because on the one hand it could be very lethal, but it was also a lot more bookkeeping. It meant really you had, fiddly. Yeah, you had to have a like you had to use the proper character sheets to be able to track it. Um, and then we have this big difference, which you mentioned to me earlier, the fact that the the dice are actually different. Now, this is actually handy for me because I'll just be clear. With it. So you have you have a one and you have a two, same as normal. Three and four are still blank. But whereas Conan and uh, everything since John Carter, no, everything since Conan, and that's one big difference in Conan and Infinity. Um, everything since Conan, your five and six have been effects, and those effects have counted as one damage. In Mutant Chronicles, Correct. there is nothing on the fives. You actually have three blanks. Half the things on your dice are blank. So your dice yeah. goes one, two, blank, 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 effect. And effects do not give you damage. Right. So you only have a one in three chance of doing damage when you roll. However, big difference here is that all the weapons, it's not just that for damage, it's not just a die roll. It's a fixed number plus a certain number of what they call dark symmetry dice. So, And I'm not going to use all their funky names. They're challenge dice. Yeah. 
So it's a fixed number plus a certain number of dice, which means that if you whiff, you still do a fixed amount of damage. But yeah, I looked at that and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So you have only a one in three chance of adding any more damage and you have a one in six chance of triggering an effect. Yeah, so it makes effects end up being hard to come by. And also you have to think if you roll an effect, you're also not doing damage unless your effect is vicious, which Mm -hmm. is a bit, which is a bit naff. So I can see why they changed it. The one thing I do like is that I like the fixed damage. I like the fact that you like, I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but in theory, in Conan, you can fluff a roll and do no damage. It doesn't happen very often. But generally, the good thing about Conan is, and everything since then, if you roll an effect, you're both getting a cool effect in which you're really excited about and you're doing damage, which I like. Whereas the downside of Mutant Chronicles and Infinity had the same as this, is the effects were like, oh, cool, but I didn't do any damage. Um, and like you said, half the dice was just completely blank, which was a bit, yeah. Yeah. I could see, like, if, if this, I think this is a, um, this is something you could take away from Mutant Chronicles. This may be something you would want to use if you aren't happy with, like, if probability visits your table and leaves your players rolling threes and fours a bunch on challenge dice, I think that you could just say, hey, okay, so this damage just four, you know what I'm going to have it do? Two plus two dice. Yeah. And leave it at that. So, yeah, so it's funny because I, I never managed to get any combat dice for Infinity. I didn't back it in the Kickstarter because I was like, what's the point? But then there was a point where on the Modifia store, they were selling like packs of, I know, 10 or 12 Mutant Chronicles combat dice for like next to nothing. So I have yeah. like 30 of the combat dice for Mutant Chronicles, which cost me very, very little. But they are the same ones I can use for Infinity. Yeah. Um, whereas then I think I got a load of John Carter ones that I use then for everything else because yeah, I, I bought three sets of the John Carter yeah. ones a couple months ago. And I, I dig those. They're nice looking dice. So those are kind of like, and that's kind of like the big key differences that between like our standard 2d20 and, uh, and everything else, you know, still, we still have this idea of sort of like, if you do five, it's a wound. If you take too many wounds, you go down. A lot of the status is still similar. The effects are similar. You know, a lot of these things, you know, there's, a, there's there might be small difference, but generally it's pr- the rest of it is how you play it. Very, very similar to, uh, to the rest of all the 2d20 games, or at least the, 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 the middle point of our 2d20. You know what I'm not finding? I'm looking at the index right now. You just got me thinking, um, I'm not finding anything. Maybe, maybe it's elsewhere, but I, I was looking for extended tasks. Uh, ooh, maybe that's something that. Well, I've said one um, one of the things because I because I got to thinking with the, the 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 change in the challenge dice changes would change the 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 math. Yeah. In an extended task. One of the things that this book features isn't the right word is that the the we've said this repeatedly. The initial books are not well laid out. So we kind of have this section of how the rules work in general, but only a brief version. And then we get the character creation rules. And then they later come back again to go over how momentum works and how crime. And then they go into actions and then they go into combat. It's kind of like you sometimes have to, and it's Infinity and Conan are the same. Sometimes you have to look and go, I can't find the thing you're looking for. And it turns out that was only in one bit in the initial rules explanation, whereas sometimes it's in the second rules explanation. Um, It's entirely possible there are no extended tasks. Yeah, I'm not finding any, and, and, I, and I could be wrong. If, if you're listening to this and you're a Mutant Chronicles aficionado and there are extended tasks, uh, tell me. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see any. Um, what about the magic system? Any thoughts on that? Because there are... I was going to say, that's, so that's the next yeah. thing. So subsystems, one of the main subsystems we have is, is magic. Um, it's kind of weird that we have two lots of magic because you have the magic for the bad guys 
which I kind of feel like, did they need that? And they have the magic for the good guys. Um, it's the thing I found from like, it's not quite as, if you've looked at Conan, you'll be familiar with the idea of sort of most spells like they're sorcery. And it's very hard to cast those spells and there's not many of them. Um, this is better. And then there's a whole nother book with a load more spells in it. So this is better than that. There are a lot more yeah. spells, but they, they have sort of very narrow focuses. So you have one which is basically sort of like a bunch of telekinesis stuff. And then there's ones with kind of a lot of light stuff. But there's like, if you were like, oh, I can, this has magic. I can use this to re replicate, I know, like D&D. You, you can't, it's very, very specific like areas of what the magic will let you do and outside of that. It's a great example though of a subsystem that's built to represent yeah, the story. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, generally, if you've looked at Conan, it's kind of like that. I'm, just, I'm struggling to even find it in the book. Yeah, I had thought a while back actually of, of stealing uh, the magic system from this as inspiration for uh, for you know like a higher magic or you know more prolific magic system, and it's it is very tightly integrated with the story and with the setting, yeah. and so and also very tightly integrated with the, the whole idea of talent trees and things like that. So it it it's not it's not a subsystem you could grab and and pull out and hand and and put into a more modern uh, version of of two d twenty. Yeah, you literally have there's like different aspects of how you can cast what of like your particular magic, and you get a talent tree for each of them, and on those talent trees you have different spells. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the spells aren't massively different from what we've seen in say acting Cthulhu. You have a difficulty, yeah, target duration, you have an effect. Um, if you do better, you can spend momentum on other things. So I mean, you know, the, the how the spells are laid That's out true. are pretty similar. Um, I guess you could you could so just steal you could just take the spell itself and maybe you know rub off the serial number and 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 maybe change some things with it and you could use that or at least use that translate it to to something else. Yes. Um, and they have got rules for these repercussion things, which is like the spells going bad, basically, which would be like I I found that odd repercussions. They they talk about how you roll by rolling a twenty, you roll a repercussion, and by rolling a repercussion, you suffer a complication, and it. That's how yeah. it was presented earlier in the book. And that was, I can imagine, I've got no information on this, but it seems to me that was something that someone at some point later on went, wait a minute, why don't we just say you roll a complication? Why are we adding a different word in here? This is this seems silly. Yeah. Again, it's fascinating to see to see 2D20 in this elemental, like primordial ooze stage and see how they've they've cleaned it up and developed it over time. Yeah, I'd quite like to know, like, because obviously Jay Little, who did like Star Wars yeah. fantasy, fantasy fight Star Wars, and then did this. And you actually, if you look at it, like I said, there's many times, there's a lot of overlap there. Um, I'd like to know, like, has he has he looked at the future versions and what does he think of like yeah. what they did? Because he still gets credited on all of them as like original 2D20 design, Jay Little. I always wonder, like, you know, what what does he think of what they've done yeah, in the different point. ways they've taken it? It'd be interesting to to know that. You know, um, I was gonna say so that's the magic is one subsystem, and it's fine. It's, they haven't, you know, it, it's but they haven't really moved. The main difference in things like Conan is that Conan they just made it harder. Um, this actually is kind of a middle ground between acting Cthulhu's magic, which is kind of easy to do, and the the Conan magic, which is like don't play a sorcerer; it's too much hard work. Kind yeah, of well, thing. or your your character's um, brain is going to melt after a while, and that that's yeah. in keeping with the setting. Oh yeah, totally. Um, you said that there was a whole subsystem for 
corruption. Yes. Corruption and is. falling yeah. into darkness, which begins on page 146. And there, so there are subsystems for the, the, the influence of the dark, whatever, the dark symmetry, the dark legion, the dark, blah, 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 dark, whatever. There, the, its influence corrupts things, places, and people. And so there are subs, there's a, there's a overarching subsystem, which, which gives like mechanical guidance on how, how is technology corrupted? Like, how does this happen story-wise? And also how does it happen mechanically? How can equipment become corrupted? How can locations and people slowly over time? I mean, it's like they assert, and this is, again, it's one of these things you just accept, like technology, high technology becomes corrupted quickly and easily. Um, look, because they say so, um, because I'm your father and I said, so just like that, you know, that, uh, <laughs> locations take a long time to become corrupted. Like it has to, it has to marinate in the, in the yuck for a long time. And people are somewhere in between. Now, this is a subsystem that is, that gets more daylight in the SRD. The last chapter of the SRD, there are a couple of pages on corruption. And personally, I think that this is a, this is a good and interesting and portable idea for a subsystem and even reading in mutant chronicles the, the real crunchy details about it because you know if, if you i i don't know does fallout have uh have something for like radiation and, and stuff like that yeah i mean it goes beyond that because in fallout you have you have to worry about um food and tiredness and thirst and a whole bunch of well right but that's not i mean like that. not having food is you know that's one issue having rotten food or, or having like a yeah. irradiated area that you're moving through is yeah. something different. I don't, I, I'm yeah, so it does, it has, out. it does, it has rules for like the whole bunch of literally you have to worry about having enough food and having clean yeah. food and having enough water and it being clean and you can get irradiated. And, How very and so free so, yeah. Fallout, fallout does go into uh, yeah. I mean, fallout is, is very close to a free league survival. Yeah. Game. Uh, I, but I, I think the, the corruption rules in this, are interesting because of what you could do with them. Yeah, they fit perfectly with this setting and the stories you would make in it. But if you wanted to have, I mean, I don't know if 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 you wanted to have like a zombie apocalypse game using two D twenty, I mean, maybe you could talk. Maybe you could treat corruption as like spread of the disease. Uh, if you have radiation or you have some kind of like biohazard, that becomes, it's not like spiritual corruption of a site, it's its biological or radiological corruption of a site. So I, I think that this, if you've got Mutant Chronicles, and we'll talk about where you can still get it in a little while, uh, it's dirt cheap, it might be interesting to go read those pages. I, I found that as that was an interesting subsystem and potentially useful. Yeah. Yeah, I think like if you were doing like sort of a Warhammer type game where you wanted sort of the corruption of chaos, that would work. Yeah, um, not the techno. In fact, no, actually, even in Warhammer Forty Thousand, they have all these weird things with technology as well. So actually, I remember thinking like this came out at, or not came out. This at some points I think this felt like a sort of a semi rip off of of Warhammer Forty K, except Forty K does totally different stuff. But um, big shoulder points pads as a point of view anyway. It does. Um, so yeah, you could use it for to do that kind of thing yeah yeah but that's, I mean, that's another interesting subsystem and the only other one that i'm kind of aware of is that there's quite a lot not in the main book but in the cybertronic book there's an awful lot of stuff about um sort of computers and sort of cyberware and, and that right. kind of thing but that's not in the main right. book that's in a an extra book so we're gonna gloss over mention it and not go into detail about it 
Yes, there we go. We'll have to open another PDF first. Well, shall we move on to our reflections, commentary, and suggestions? What do you think of it? Ah, oh, you thought. <laughs> um, I have to say that I've never, I've never run it. Right. I always found a reason to put. I remember like getting it and reading through it and going, ah, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't quite get it. Like a lot of other ones, I had the same problem. I'm not sure what the players are meant to do. Yeah. It's very, very light on that. There's a bit at some point that kind of says in the old role-playing games, um, the the players were usually, uh, they were like troubleshooters or they were all doom troopers and therefore they're meant to do whatever the cartel needs them to do. So that could be putting down a rebellion or stopping corporate things. And it just doesn't really give a lot. Now, the one thing that made that easier is that I think it probably came with the GM screen there was a, a like a like a, a an adventure generator where you roll a bunch of dice on a table and it generates you a thing. But I've looked at that for like Conan and Infinity and Mutant Chronicles and Infinity was like, yeah, this creates me a really cool adventure. And in Conan, the same, it's like, oh, this is a really cool adventure. And looking at the Mutant Chronicle ones, I'm still like, no, I don't get it. And I think the biggest problem I have is that there's nothing wrong with the rules. I like the rules because the rules are basically infinity, but a bit more complicated. I have like zero issue with the rules. I don't mind the fact there's an extra stat. I've got no issue with hit locations. Um, like if you want the uber crunchy version of 2D20, because like mutant, because like acting a Thrulu is too easy for you. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. I, lo I love the system. I prefer this end of, uh, of 2D20 and I wish that we'd go back towards this because I like some crunch in my system. I just don't, understand the setting it's like i'm looking at a picture here which is of like a car chasing another car and it's like cool okay but which which planet is that like it doesn't tell me like I, right I, where did the where do the demonic legions yeah, come in it's like I, venus is all like jungles okay so i get what venus is like but earth no one's on earth because earth is like an irradiated right. waste bowl and there's just like these russians going around on a giant train or something but what actually is Mars? Is like, is it is it a big city? And then even then, there's like this bits in it that kind of explain it, but nothing ever explained enough detail. I felt I could relay to the players what being on Mars or being on the Moon was like. Right. And I really struggle with like what what's people's day to day like. I mean, are people still doing what they do to now? Do, do, are there loads of people going to offices? Uh, you know, yeah. you, do you have farmers on them? There was all these questions. Right. Like, do like people? Would you find families in some park? Yeah having a picnic that like terrorists would attack. I, I, yeah, I agree. And, and, and that was the thing that always made me, I could never play it because I could, I knew, I knew what the bad guys looked like. And I understood the conflicts between the different, uh, the different corporations. And I liked that. And I liked all the cool art. I couldn't understand what, like what was happening on day to day. Like, like you said, like if you are on yeah. a downtime thing, what, what else is going on? Is it meant to be like, I don't know, like the fifties, in the respective countries I, I never got that so i struggled to do it and then there was things like oh, i know i'll watch the film well the film is nothing at all I just remotely like it yeah so the film is unhelpful just stay away it's like uh that's like it, it is yes the film to it is like the brad pitt world war z compared to the book world war z uh you know, the, the trouble, I, I, I agree completely. I have a very hard time getting my head around it. I agree with the system. I love the fact that we have all these examples. I call this a relic. You know, this is, this is a relic of the earliest days of the system, but the fact that it's still out there and the fact that we have Infinity and Conan, which are still supported, and there's a, so much content. For all three of these games, there is a ridiculous amount of content out there. 
And so if you want to move back toward a crunchier version, a more um, detailed and granular version of the system, it's right there for you. Now, my suggestion, and this is a piece of advice I have never taken because I don't own these books, there are three separate campaign books. There's the Dark Eden campaign book, and there's a source book that goes with it. There is a Dark Symmetry campaign. Uh, there is a, what is it? There's Dark Eden campaign, Dark Legion, and Dark Symmetry. So there are three full campaign books that you can get. And I wonder, and I, I doubt I will ever take advantage of this like at my, or try to push it at my table yeah. because there's only just so much time, you know, and there's too many, there are too many good games to play. And so I'm less likely to take a chance on something really odd that I, that doesn't grab me right away. But I wonder if in those three campaign books, you would get a better sense of what it's like. There's also, there is a Venusian apocalypse source book and there's a white star source book. So perhaps you would get more about Venus and earth in those books respectively. Um, but again, we're only talking about what's in the core book and, and the, the, the meat's just not there. Well, I mean, I've, I've got a bunch of the other books and oh. I have the PDFs, almost everything else, which I picked up in a deal somewhere or some point. Um, and it still never gave me enough. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there still is the Mutant Chronicles PDF Lover's Definitive Collection, which is like everything. It, I think it is everything. Uh, yeah, here we go. He's plotting to over, three, over a 1,200-year period. Pretty ambitious. You can get that from Medivius for $5.89 right now. So you can just get this, this vast heap of PDFs that uh, you can read through, and maybe you'll find some of those things that we're, that we're struggling to find. Well, actually, I, I, do think, I do think it is, in theory, a cool setting. I yeah. just And there's definitely stuff to do in there. I struggled with like, sort of what's, what it actually looks like, like when it's not like cool, iconic art. Um, and I also like struggled a bit with like, well, what do the players do? Cause they, they give you a couple of paragraphs and like the standard mutual chronicle things is a freelancer. And okay. Like, but then what does uh, that mean? Like yeah, so you get hired by a house to go now, maybe this is maybe the, the and, and this is coming from me as being someone who used to play a lot of cyberpunk 2020. Okay. You're hired by Militech to go steal an executive from Arasaka who doesn't want to work for Arasaka anymore, but Arasaka doesn't want to let him go. Maybe you could do that kind of stuff like those, yeah. those stock cyberpunk, dark future, corporate grit and intrigue sorts of campaigns. But again, where do the interdimensional demonic hordes come in? You know, do you open up a door and all of a sudden in, in the corporate office and there's some, you know, horned devil in there with a giant shoulder pad i i just yeah i'm with you i don't know so um yeah and i never like i think kind of having been a bit i oh, just the setting isn't clicking for me even though i had all these other books i never then went through and read them in like lots of detail to maybe answer they're questions. in there so they, they could well, they could be, well but be i think at that there. point but I, I initially kind of i bought the book to try and get my head around the rules yeah. because i had like the beta tests for conan and infinity and they didn't make sense and so i bought more of this thing like you know if i get more of this the other things will make more sense i mean another reason why i did i mean they when they released this they also released a a conversion of savage worlds to 2d 20 no 2d 20 to savage worlds but then i also thought oh but actually this also means you can go the other way so you can take savage world stuff yeah. and convert it back to 2d 20 which they actually didn't give you rules for but it's, it would be doable 
Um, but then kind of I just played Infinity and Conan and other things came and then other role-playing yeah. games come out, not just 2D20. So this kind of just always sat on the shelf as this thing like, eh, it's cool. I like the art. Um, there's good ideas in there in general for like the system. Like you said, am I going to play it? Well, you know, no, we, I have limited time. There's other stuff I would rather play, but I'm glad I've got it. Yeah, I see two things of it for me. I see some things I could steal system-wise. Yeah. And the other thing that I see also is, and I just thought of this right now, this might be good for like a convention game. Yeah. A deliberate one-off because you nobody asks questions like, well, if... If the person is sitting there and quizzing you at the convention about the like the coherence of the setting, like that person's at the wrong table, they're at the wrong event. <laughs> I think stories and settings that have that offer really bright colors and significant contrast, like almost glaring, that kind of stuff works at a convention because yeah. you're going to drive the characters like you stole them. You're going to play for three hours and 45 minutes and that's the end of it. And no one's going to sit and have to wrestle with over time in a campaign why doesn't this why is this like that or you, you just don't have to deal with those things so maybe maybe this would be good for an interesting and, and memorable uh odd kitchen sink of a camp of a, of a kind of, i think it would be I mean, especially like to kind of drop right you're you're all from a different corporation you're one of the archetypal iconic careers yeah you get a cool picture of what your character looks like right you're going to be going into a, a dark legion citadel and like just you know slaying a bunch of fools or, or, or whatever or like you know you're finding out you're, you start off in a city like finding out her heretic cell and then you realize someone else is summoning something and you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you could definitely do it as a, as a cool one-off and then um, you don't have the burden of trying to yeah. as a gm make sense of how it how, like the ecology or the anthropology of the world you just don't even have to worry about that it's very much a system I wish that rather than having these massive big campaigns where you kind of have to commit to like, you know, 10 sessions or something, I wish it had the small, like okay. what we have now for Star Trek and it, or Act and Cthulhu, we have these nice small, like, you know, they're just like, they release one adventure. It's one little adventure. Or like I like they did for Conan and Infinity where they did a book where they had a bunch of short, unconnected ones. Yeah. I mean, like the first adventure book that came out for Infinity was amazing because they basically did an adventure for each planet. The That's idea cool. being that you would get to see what that planet's like and you could do the adventures in any order. So I kind of just went like, oh, I like this adventure. And I just ran them in different orders. Um, that's what this could do with it, like a bunch of like a, a, just a hopping around, getting a flavor of different things. You, you could just pick and choose them instead of yeah. these massive big campaigns. I wonder if if this was something that Modiphius was starting now, how different, I mean, rules wise, I think it'd be considerably totally. different, Yeah, but how they would approach the product line i think would be radically different yeah cool well, well I mean, they, you know they certainly wouldn't deliver as much because i think after doing this and conan and infinity they've learned not to go we're gonna we're gonna promise 15 different books and then yeah. take like i only just got some of my infinity books right literally i got them three weeks ago how many post. years is this uh I have no idea. Although, I mean, knowing time. that you're signing onto a Kickstarter of that nature, you, you kind of knew that that was going to happen. And in a way, it's like if you really dig it or you like it enough to return to it, it it's it's like having a subscription to something. You know, it's like Jelly yeah. of the Month Club. Yeah, it is kind of. It's kind of occasionally a whole bunch more Infinity books turn up. So like several gallons of jelly all at once. <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, Mutant Chronicles, I, I still think it's like it feels cool and it looks cool. 
but it doesn't click enough with yeah. me for me to to run it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like for the price they're selling it, like you just said, as PDFs on their website, Do it. just go and get it. If you're interested in the system, just to like go, just get cool ideas, even if it's just the magic stuff or, you know, just some of the stuff. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff. In yeah, there. I agree. And again, yeah, you, you, yeah, you just do anything you want with it then. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Maybe we'll come back to Mutant Chronicles. Maybe we won't. Who knows? But I think that, I think that's a good overall overview of what seems to be out of what I would call like the mainstream 2D20 games. I, I put Dishonored outside of that. Uh, probably the one that gets the least love or the least attention now. Where does so, get any? Well, <laughs> that's my diplomatic way of saying any. Uh, and Up and so, them keep going, look, it's cheap. Buy it's, it. not supported. Trying to get, it's not supported We're trying anymore. to get rid of it. They, so, they clearly are just trying to get shot. Yeah, they've, all moved, of the on. Stuff they've moved on from it completely. But yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there we go. So maybe we'll generate some conversation on the Discord or elsewhere about it. And uh, if you have a whopping $5.89 US <laughs> to spend, that you, 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 you can do without a crappy Starbucks coffee today, you could order those, that massive amount of PDFs. And go it kill a, like a whole printer by printing the whole thing. Yeah, it's a lot of PDFs. A and lot of PDFs. A, some of them are massive. Yeah. I mean, the books right. were four, 496 pages on the book. Nuts. Nuts. All right, cool. Well, we will uh, we'll catch up next week and uh, drop another episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.